0: robin and ken and everybody else for singing amen so uh tonight is question and answer number seven uh we've we, this will be our seventh question that we've kind of gone through and answer um, <clears throat> this one if you wanted to title it's what do we know about our origin you know origin you know where we came from creation stuff like that and i and i you know like i told you i'm using this Benjamin Keech catechism and kind of incorporate maybe two questions at a time, trying to reword it so I can understand it in my own English and things like that because I tell you, he wrote it back in the 1600s and it's just an original that I printed off the the internet back in 1999 when we had some internet in Kentucky and, and I actually used it at my youth I met on Sunday nights in Kentucky, western Kentucky I used it with some youth in Wagner, not necessarily these questions that I'm giving you. These are all original, how I wrote them and everything. But those kids just ate it up like candy because they'd never thought about God's existence, God's preeminence, all those little fancy words. And, and they never have thought about creation a lot. And so this question tonight talks about our origin. That is, <clears throat> the question is this, what is the work of creation and how did God create man? That's the question. What is the work of creation And how did God create man? And, of course, the answer, and we'll look at the scriptures that basically prove, remember, once again, we're only just hitting the surface, very shallow. The answer to that is God, by his word, made all things out of nothing. And mankind was made male and female according to God's likeness, comma, in six days. Now, we're not going to so much study the six days. Now, uh, I had a gentleman. uh, He was smart enough to be in the Navy. Uh, He was not only, I guess, the guy that was in charge of weapons and stuff, but he became pretty much a nuclear engineer. And he lived lived there in Inola. I knew him when we were members at First Baptist Inola from 06 to about 2012. Very intelligent man. Uh, The reason he moved from Inola in the Navy, and took that nuclear skill. He moved to Inola back in the 70s. Remember when there were going to be the Black Fox nuclear plant? He was going to be the guy that would sell the services to you and all the power and everything. Well, obviously, the Black Fox didn't happen. And of course, that's, I don't know what Indian tribe, but Inola means Black Fox in whatever language it is, Osage, muskogee I'm not sure what it is, but Inola means Black Fox. So he was very smart. He also knew a lot about, I know, the history for obvious reasons, let alone he was just kind of a history buff, being a former military man, and I think he was a uh, like a lifer or whatever, but uh, David was a real sweet guy. He ended up being the chaplain of the Gideons there in Rogers County, and he would have me speak at fifth grades and during Gideons meetings and stuff, but my point is, is the the big discussion me and him had once was define what those six days were, and of course, I did, I didn't have any learning like he had. I said, well, it's just, you know, the sun goes up, sun goes down. Six days, that's my view. He said, well, I had another view. And he had some other view, and I can't remember all the details. And I said, well, David, that's okay. You know, if that's what you want to believe, I said, as long as you believe God spoke it into existence. I said, this is not so essential that, that I'm going to split sheets with you. But, but David said, well, if God, created, but this is what David had a question for me. And me being a little high school uh, graduate, he said, well, how could the earth be as old as it is if it was created in six days? I said, well, David, God had created everything in a mature status. I said, Adam didn't come up with a belly button and being three, three days old. I said, he was created a full-grown adult. I said, I don't know if that means 18, if that means 25, 40. I said, everything was created in its mature state. I said, now, let's say the earth, surface of the earth. It's mature state is X, Y, Z years. I don't know. So I said, that's just my view. I said, those are a lot of things that I don't worry about, David. I said, as long as we know God created everything, because he also had other training. And my point is this, is that we're not going to hash around the six days, whether they're six little 24-hour days or, your, or some other theory or anything. I'm just going to say that God, by his word, made all things out of nothing by his spoken word, and he made mankind male and female. Those are important things. And he made them according to his likeness. Now, when I say his likeness, what I, I, what I, I, my little analogy is this. He said, let us make man in our image." So there's definitely plural, right, when he said that. And we definitely know the Spirit of God was there in verse 2 of Genesis 1. We know God was there. But according to John chapter 1, Jesus was there. So I believe all three of them were there, okay? So therefore, in my mind, I'm thinking if we're made in his likeness, He is a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's a triune God. Well, you know what? You're a triune being, body, mind, and spirit. That's one way to look at it. There's other things. We could take some characteristics of God like he reasons, he designs, he expresses emotions. So we're kind of made in his likeness to reflect God. That's what we were made in his likeness means. And so these questions and answers are very, like I said, very shallow they just kind of hit the surface, but why is origin so important? Why is, where did we come from? How were things created? Why is it so important? Well, I'm going to give you a little illustration of why it's so important that we have these basic things we're going to look at, these basic understanding we're going to look at. When I pastored in Kentucky, we moved there, well, Josh, Faith, and I moved there August of 1999. So Josh kind of had to leave Eastwood Baptist School and jump into a sixth grade there in Spotsville, Kentucky, which was 10 miles east of Basket, Kentucky, because they had elementary schools for every community. But once they got in junior high and high school, it was all county, county high school, county junior high. So we moved there that fall of uh, 1999. So Josh had kind of finished. Nine weeks, a little bit more, he jumped in there. But the next year, he started seventh grade at the, at the north. They had a north and a south junior high. That's how big the county was. It probably would have been the size of a county. Henderson was probably about the size of Broken Arrow, and that was the county seat. And Josh was in North uh, Henderson Junior High School in seventh grade. And at that time, the law was in Kentucky. In seventh grade, they had to start learning stuff like evolution, Big Bang Theory, and things of that nature, but somebody had legislated within the Kentucky legislation that even creation had to be taught as a theory along with evolution, Big Bang, and maybe another one, whatever theories out there. And that had to be taught as a theory, and I was okay with that because they were teaching them all equal. But that first nine weeks, this is what happened. If you were in that seventh grade class and David was our teacher, David would walk around the room and shut every blind on the window. That was part of the law. They had to shut every blind on the windows of that classroom. So during that nine weeks, when you were reading Genesis 1, Genesis 2, and Genesis 3, probably giving you a paragraph, giving you a few verses, and letting the kids read it, during that first nine weeks, they had to shut the shades when they were reading the Bible. Now, when the Bible was done reading or they were discussing things, they could pull the shades up. That was part of the law. Don't know what that was all about. But Joshua, I said, really? I said, yeah. My teacher said, you had to. He said, but Dad, I got a problem. He was just seventh grade, so maybe, what, 12, 13 years old. He had professed Christ, but he didn't get saved till he did his freshman year at NSU. And I didn't know any different. And he said, Dad, I, said, I got a problem. I said, what is it? He? he goes, well, there are going to be true and false tests on creation and then the next second, third, and fourth, nine weeks over evolution, big bang. Just true, false, after we've studied whatever, they've shared the theory. He said, i got a problem. He says, uh, <coughs> I know we believe God made everything out of nothing. You know, that he spoke it into existence. That's basically what he said. <coughs> he said, I know how to answer those questions, true and false, based off what I've read in the text and what they're going to give us, and then it's just true, false. He said, but I don't think evolution or the Big Bang Theory is true. How do I answer those true and false? I said, you answer them according to the theory, true or false. And my point is, is that we live in a world that has a lot of views about origin, you know, creation, whatever they want to call it, evolution, Big Bang Theory. And and personally, I wish every school did what, what Josh had to experience, that I had to at least read Genesis 1 through 3, even if it was as a theory alongside these other ones. Because all I ever knew was creation. That's all I ever knew as a kid. And I walked into biology my 10th grade year and I'm thinking, okay, biology is going to be like uh, sixth grade science, you know? you know. The seed germinates and it grows. No, they got into evolution. I was like, I'd never heard that word before. And I didn't get so confused that, you know, my, you know, for lack of words, my faith was shipwrecked. My intellectual faith was shipwrecked. But I was real confused. I'm like, well, what do you mean green amoebas? I'm, I thought God spoke it and I just, It was just confusing. So I didn't do very good in biology in my 10th grade year. probably made a... C minus at best, you know, because it just was confusing to me. Well, why is origin so important? Well, listen, if you don't basically know, even intellectually, that you were made in the likeness of God, that God made you, of course, Psalm 139, he fearfully and wonderfully made you in your mother's womb, that there's no accident, there's no mistake, and that he even knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. If you don't have a at least an intellectual grounding in that uh, everything else is chance. There's no order. So pretty soon in our schools, kids will act like they're animals. If they're taught they came from a green monkey that hung from a tree or whatever they teach, you know, they're going to act like animals. I still acted out quite a bit in school, but always in the back of my mind, even though it was probably not a real good idea about God, I thought, hey, God saw me do that. I always had some kind of conscience, a God conscience. So did my kids, and hopefully so did your kids. Origin's very important. So as we ask these, these questions according to, you know, what about this work of creation and how did God create men, they're very fundamental, uh, if anything, for your mental health and our societal health. Um, my kids were exposed to more of those theories than I was my sophomore year. They were getting it by the time they were in elementary and junior high. I only got it my sophomore year, and that was the last time until I became a Christian. I even heard the word evolution. I didn't, I didn't know it was an issue. I didn't know there was a trial back in you know, something. I didn't have a clue. I just knew I loved Jesus, and I knew the Bible. And so our kids are exposed to those things, not just through school, and therefore I'm not against school because, like I said, I wish they all did what Josh's seventh grade teach, or school did. Teach them all, you know? And if you, you I guess wherever you land, you land. That's a school. But the reason a worldview is important to origin, uh, based off what I see as God creating all these things, is because it brings, if, if you understand that God made everything and made you fearfully and wonderfully, it brings you some human value. It gives you some kind of value as a human. God made me. Even if you didn't believe it, you'd go, wow, someone told me God made me. Someone made me. It gives you human value. It gives you some kind of daily purpose, what's this all about. But ultimately, it brings order. It paints a picture of order, not chaos or chance. Because all these other theories, if you want to call them that, they, they provide chance, chaos what-ifs, doubts. There's all kinds of questions. And, of course, nothing... And the reason I know it's still a theory, because I do remember my basic science, you have to have a hypothesis, right? You've got to have a theory, and then you go through a process of creating evidence to prove your theory. Well, nothing's ever been proved, so it's still a theory. Uh, the thing is, is a lot of them teach the theory as if it's fact. And that's what I really have a problem with. But... If we don't understand that God made all things, that we originated from what God designed, what God desired, then we're not going to have, we're not going to see much value in our life. We're definitely not going to see any purpose because everything's chaotic and chance, right? Case raw, Sarah. Of course, you definitely won't understand that things have order. One of the things that you, at least I knew in the back of my brain. <clears throat> My little brain, growing up at school, I was a kid that did a lot of tomfoolery. I made noises. I disrupted class a lot of time, And I got licks, you know, back when you could give licks. But did you know I never went home to a parent? Well, that Mr. Bosworth gave me licks today. I didn't tell my mom he gave me licks. Number one, I figured I'd get in trouble. But number two, Mr. Bosworth is my authority, my teacher Turned me in, and he gave me licks. I understood the order of authority. I, I, you know, pecking order, whatever. That's why creation is so important. Order, human value. And so, that's why I want to share it with you uh, today. But in uh, in Genesis 1-1, this is where we'll start right there. I'll get turned there myself. Genesis 1-1. And we'll be back in chapter 1 here in a little bit. But, we're, but from Genesis 1-1, we're going to jump to... Hebrews chapter 11, then we'll come back to Genesis 1. But just look at Genesis 1-1 with me. God gives components for all creation to exist. Or God gives elements for all creation to exist. Look at Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, obviously in the next rest of the verses of this chapter, the rest of the verses of chapter 2, and even chapter 3 gives a, a, a synopsis of everything. But if all we had was verse 1, did you know we would have all the scientific components for life to exist? I'll give you an example. In the beginning, time. In the beginning, we have time. That's an element for life, right? In the beginning, we had time. God. A designer created power the heavens the earth space and matter those are elements that that have to be there for life to exist time a designer power space and matter so right there in verse 1 if we were a scientific thinking person not that any of you aren't I'm very limited in my scientific knowledge But if someone really was scientific and said, you know, and they're going to try to prove this theory of creation by God, either false or or anything, they would have to admit that the elements for life to exist are right there in verse 1. Time, design, power, space, and matter. They They have to exist for life to exist. And God knew exactly what he was doing. You know that, and I know that. So that's the first verse I want to look at. It's just Genesis one. These are five elements or five components, as I said, needed for life to exist and needed for life to be sustained. Right? Heard a joke one time. It's kind of a joke. And this scientist cried out to God and said, God, you created man, I'm going to create a man. And the man worked for 40 years in his laboratory to create a man. And on that 40th year, he called God down. He says, see there? Created a man. And there was. There was a man standing there. And God says, good. He said, now create dirt. Because that's what God started making man. He made man out of dirt, right? And so the man, the scientist, obviously was stumped, you know. Just like a professor said one time, do you believe that uh, there is no absolutes? And then, of course, the kid responded, are you absolutely sure about that? You know, he kind of put him in his plates. And so you think about creation, uh, time, a designer, power, space and matter, those are elements uh, consistent or necessary for life and sustaining life. And like I said, if all we had is that one verse about creation, that's what we would stand on but in these next few verses that we could read over and over chapter 1 and chapter 2 it gives a lot of detail like for instance it gives the detail the chicken came first not the egg right I mean that's the, the proverbial question I remember one of my friends I was popping rivets at Nordam and he's just joking around with me kind of maybe being sarcastic with me because I'm a preacher he said well preacher he says which came first the chicken or the egg and I found that verse when I talked about it I said well right there not, 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 not that it said chicken, but it talked about how these creatures had to exist before they could lay eggs. I said, there, There's your answer right there. Oh, okay. Start popping rivets, you know. Later on, he had more questions, though. You know why? Because he had a sarcastic question to have fun with me, maybe stump me, and I had some kind of answer from the scripture. And later on, he had another question. Well,. You know, just like maybe, do you believe it happened six days? Then it just led to another question, another question, another question. Pretty soon, there's one day during break, and we go to the roach coach out there at Nordam. They have roach coaches that come every day, you know, the little uh, trucks that come up with food. We call them roach coaches. And we're out there getting something, and we're sitting down eating our biscuits and gravy or something. He said, you know what? I I think I need Jesus Christ as my Savior. Oh, I'm glad you, glad you did. And I just brought him over to Romans 10 and led him to the Lord. You know, I'm just I led him in a prayer. So the, the thing is, is that basic concept of God creating everything by his word out of nothing. We can't explain it. We, even though we got some details on how at least it panned out each day, we don't have any details on how it really happened. And you think about it, if God somehow in some other volume scientifically explained how it became about and it, you know, the, his word of his mouth and everything... We still wouldn't understand it, so you may as well take it at face value. God spoke it and existed because it never existed before. And so when we, when we, we realize God has that power to speak things to life, speak things to exist, that's only God's power. I know some of our uh, brothers over there around South Tulsa would like to think that, that you're a little Elohim, a little God who can just name it, claim it, gab it, grab it. That's all fine for their theology, but I tell you what. One of them was stumped one time when they said, you have Tourette's syndrome. I said, yeah, I twitch, and I do things, and I take medication. Well, God can just heal you from that. I said, well, I know he can. Well, then why don't you believe God for it? I said, well, I've asked God several times to take my... Because in high school, when you're twitching and stuff, and people make fun of you, it's embarrassing. I didn't even know what it was then. Now I take a little medication. They said, well, then, then you didn't believe hard enough. I said, no. I said... I brought him over there where Paul said three times he asked God to take a thorn in flesh. So I said, God said no to him. I said, apparently God's saying no to me right now. And grace is sufficient. And of course, these other guys are listening that aren't believers. So once again, the scripture wins out. So it's important that we understand origin. There was time, design, power, space, matter, and all those are right there in verse 1, things that... <sighs> things that are necessary for life, and they have life existence and life sustaining. So, so to us, concerning this theory, that's quote, unquote, the theory of creation, it's a fact. It's a fact that there was a time, there was a designer, he had power, and he used space and matter to create all things by his spoken word. So that's the fact. Uh, what was it, uh, the old uh, movie with... Uh, What was his name? That's a fact, Jack, or whatever, Bill Murray and somebody. That's a fact, Jack, he'd say. I don't know what he was talking about when he made that movie, but uh, I remember that stuck in my head. So we used it a lot when we played soccer. If we beat you, that's a fact, Jack. But anyway, so jump over to Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll jump back to Genesis 1 here in a moment. So we talked about how God gives components or elements for all creation to exist now, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 through 3, God gives faith for all creation to exist. In other words, He gives us the faith to believe that He spoke it into existence. Now, I know verse 1 and 2 is more, uh, more good towards redemptive faith than it is creation faith. But look at all verse 1 and 3 with me. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders, or that is those in past history, obtained a good testimony. Why? Because they believed God. They believed what God said. Abraham believed God in what? It was accounted to him as righteousness. Later on in in the New Testament, it says God had revealed to to Abraham righteousness, and so he believed the gospel that God gave him, the light that God gave him. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the whole worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. In other words, the writer of Hebrews is saying, Look, believers of the Old Testament or old, of old history testify by faith of the things not seen that they hope for. They hope for redemption. They hope for heaven. They hope for righteousness in the Old Testament, right? He says, the same way by faith, all believers believe by faith that the things that didn't exist before creation existed because God spoke it into existence. So, uh, how many of y'all have you ever seen heaven? I mean, literally, been there. Not me either. I just raised my hand for example. But I know it exists because Jesus talks about it. The Bible talks about it. It gives some information about what it's all like. But you know what? We won't actually know it, what? Until we step into that presence, right? So by faith, we're hoping in eternal heaven, eternal presence away from sin, eternal dwelling with God, just like these old saints were in verse 1 and 2, these witnesses that went before us. What he's saying, the example is, is, just like by faith, The worlds came about, they came about, it's right here before us, it's right here, right? We see the worlds. It came about before it ever existed, before it was ever seen too. And so he's given the analogy of creation is a good example that we can believe there's a world here because we see it. Well, if God didn't lie about that, Genesis 1-1, then why would he lie about life eternal? And so, once again, it's just kind of an example that he uses about creation. We trust God for his redemptive work, right? And We haven't haven't seen the fullness of it yet. We trust him for his redemptive work. Well, why shouldn't we trust him for his creative work? And that's basically what he's saying. You see his creative work. It's right here in front of you. It existed, but it's here before it ever existed. So why not trust God for your redemptive work? We don't see the fullness of it. But we can believe it will happen. And so he gives that example of fact. And then there's faith. And then in, uh, gen- back to Genesis chapter 1. <clears throat> we're going to look at verses 26 through 31. There's the fact of creation. Through time, design, power, space, and matter. There's the faith. Not necessarily towards creation. But creation was an example of why we even have faith for those redemptive things that we haven't seen yet. And we see the world. So if God created the whole world out of nothing and we see it happen, then God's going to follow through on redemption. But in Genesis 1, verse 26 through 31, this kind of answers that question, how did God create man? We've seen something about the work of creation. It it came by him speaking into existence. And by faith, we see it in front of us. In verse 26 to 31, it's more about how did God create man. And I know this is all elementary, but I think it's good elementary uh, reading. Verse 26 to 31. Then God said, let us. That implies at least two, right? Because we know in verse 2, the Spirit of God's there. We know God's there. And the Spirit of God's there. Let us. Make man in our image or our likeness, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them... Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be food. By the way, they were vegans in that day. They weren't uh, meat eaters at that time. Okay? That doesn't mean I'm implying that we need to be vegans or anything of that nature. I'm just letting you know. Hey, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord and pass the beef. Yeah. Yeah. And God said, see, I've given you every herb. Okay, verse 30. Also to every beast on the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And so, and it was so. Because so, even animals at that time were herbivores, or what do they call it? I think herbivores. I think would be the word for it. Ooh, I know a big word. Verse thirty-one. Then God saw everything. That is, He saw everything that He's created over these six days. Then God saw everything that He had made, and indeed, it was very good. In other words, it was complete. There wasn't needing any more improvements. Evolution, nothing. It was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And, of course, that would be my theory for the 24-hour days, okay? That's just my theory. Other people jump in verse 2 and find other things there, and that's fine. That's interesting. So God gave us the components or the elements for creation in, in, the, in time, design, power, space, and matter. He gives us an example in chapter 11. He says, just like the people of old testify by faith that they're hoping for something they haven't seen. He said, well, you see the world in front of you. It once didn't exist either, and now it does, so so does your full redemption. And then in Genesis 1, 26-31, he tells us that God gives us stewards for all creation to exist. He gives us the stewards. Who's the stewards? Man and man and woman, male and female. Now, I had a, had a church one time, and we were walking through the book of Genesis Sunday morning, <coughs> Sunday night, Wednesday night. It took me a year and a half of three messages a week to get through Genesis. But when we started it, of course, this would have been 2006. Maybe there wasn't so much issue about gender confusion. Maybe there wasn't so much confusion about uh, same-sex marriages and everything. But an old preacher would sit in the pew, and he'd say, ah, that ain't relevant. That's not relevant. Everybody knows about that. But this was the funny thing. The more I preached on chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, and, of course, by the time we finished the whole book, you know what people were telling me? I didn't know the Bible told that, said that. I didn't, know, I didn't know that was in the Bible. So it was pretty relevant. I mean, in the sense that all Scripture is inspired and profitable for doctrine, reproof, and instruction. But here in Genesis one, twenty-six to thirty-one, especially in our culture today, it would be very important that we know that God makes mankind to reflect this triune God through both male and female genders. And that's it. I did walk into a bathroom today. You know, used to you would have, you know, men, women, and then pretty soon they had Unisex bathrooms. Oh, okay. Yeah. Today, it's, <laughs> I can't remember where I was at, but today the sign said, all genders bathroom. By the way, you know what? They're covering all their bases and there was only a one holder, so there's no issue about someone going over my daughter. I thought, well, at least they were honest, you know? I mean, to their culture, anyways. But the point is, is that right there in verse 26 and 27, God says, let us. Me, God, you, the Spirit, you, the Son, let us make mankind in our likeness, both male and female. And that's it. Now, I know there's some uh, freaks to nature. I know there's, I can't remember the fancy word for it, people that kind of look like they have both genders. But those are um, gene issues. It's not a new gender okay And I can't remember the word for it I've heard people talk about it uh, they come out kind of deformed or whatever so they can look like a male and a female and things but the point is I'm sure if you did some kind of XX and XY uh, test you would know which one they are I thought about doing a women's uh, uh, a couples are uh, a conference one time a Bible conference and I was gonna call it the XX and XY conference you know, just, just to shake the fist in the, in, in, the, in the face of the world because there's only XX or XY, that's it. I mean, male or female. But I decided not to do that. But we find out in verse 26 and 27, God made them male and female for the purpose of reflecting or like in the image of a triune God. In verse 28 through 30, God not only made mankind to reflect a triune God through both male and female genders, God made mankind to resource, to resource the blessing of God to provide for them, to populate, and to procure all of creation. So he provides them the resources to not only reflect God through reason, through through expressing themselves and different characteristics that we can reflect God, but he provided them the resources to provide. For their, for their and the animals eating to, to, populate, to multiply and populate and to procure and take care of this creation. Then in verse 31, as he gives us stewards for all of creation to exist, God makes mankind, male and female, as the crown jewel of all of his creation. Why is that? Now, I'm going to tell you something that may hurt your feelings. I have a little miniature dog named Hank, a miniature weenie dog named Hank. He's only four and a half pounds. I give him a personality all the time. If he's following Karen, I say, Oh, your little four legged boy's following you. And if he, if we're eating and he's down there waiting for food to fall out, I say, Oh, you believe in the God of gravity. I, I give him a personality. He's just a little dog. And we love little Hank. I, matter of fact, he, he'll be 10 years old this April. I know there's going to come a day. I'm probably going to have to take him to the vet and say, Okay. Him under, let him go. We had to do that to a dog we have for 16 years. We've got two Dapple Winnie dogs that are already 11 years old. But you know what? Hank can't go to heaven. He's only body and mind. He's not made like man to reflect God. However, though, it doesn't mean I wouldn't respect Hank. Uh, you know, at, at his death, it doesn't mean that I might. I even told Karen one time I'd like to get him stuffed. You know, because he's only four and a half pounds. Get, get exterminator. What do you call him? Uh, not exterminator. What do you call him? Yeah, taxidermist, yeah. Tax, it's tax time. But yeah, get a taxidermist and put him up on the. Mic. She goes, No, Steve. I thought oh, it'd be so cool. Just lay him down there by the sunshine by the door. But, um, you know, we love our Hank. We love all of our little animals. But you know what? Man and woman was made as the crown jewel to finish God's creation. Because it was after He created them in His image, every day something would happen and God would say, That's good. That's good. That's good. But on that sixth day, when he made male and female, he said this is very... He looked at all his creation, at that ending creation, he said, this is very good. It's complete. Because now it not only has everything we need for resources and existing, but there's a procurator. There's someone to take care of this, to be a steward. I remember in fifth grade, there was a contest to make a poster because in 1972, you know, you're not supposed to litter, right? Not supposed to litter, and it was all about being a litter bug. So I drew this ladybug, I guess, carrying around a trash can or something. She was a ladybug, was a garbage. Man. So I said, "Don't, don't, you know, don't litter on America or something like that." And I won the contest. And, you know, just thinking about us being a to procure and be a steward of creation, just something that simple, like don't pollute or don't litter. I get it, but I think really more than anything, it goes a lot deeper than that, right? Because there's some people that take that science to a whole new degree, almost like a religion, whether that be our carbon you know, footprint or stuff like that, and, and therefore pretty soon, little Hank's life becomes more important than the life in someone's womb. Little Hank's life is on a commercial on TV and all we want is $19 a month. I told Karen, I said, what would people do if all of a sudden, let's just say Calvary Baptist says, okay, once a year on channel six local, we're gonna have a 30 second commercial that just shows a baby in a womb, not, not an aborted baby, just a baby, you know what I'm saying? And they, oh, that's, oh, that's gaudy. Well, I'm tired of looking at your Fido all the time that I've seen for the last 10 years, I mean, they, these organizations will take that life, and it, it is important because God said to be a steward of it, right? But they take it to a level that's more important than your life, human life. Uh, they use all kinds of science for that. But because we have an understanding of creation and the order of creation, that all these things exist God spoke them into existence and they have a purpose just like human beings have a purpose and human beings are elevated to be stewards with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. We have a whole new perspective on not only the world around us but how it came about. So what is the work of creation and how did God create man? God by his word made all things out of nothing, and mankind was made male and female according to God's likeness in six days. No matter how you view the six days, it was definitely black print on white paper. In six days it happened, however you view the day. And so when we think of these simple elementary, fundamental beliefs that we have, these are some things that we can bring to the conversation. I mean, just uh, when I first saw Genesis 1-1 like that, and it wasn't my original thought, I read some commentary. I thought, oh, yeah, the elements of life, the existence of life is, you know, time, designer, power, matter, space. Those are just scientific terms that we use about life. And, you know, just that one verse alone could spur a conversation with somebody. I don't know who it could be. Hopefully someone's going to ask us someday about the hope that lives within us. So when we think about this creation stuff, it is important that we, I guess for lack of words, understand what the other views are, basically. I wouldn't want you to delve into Darwin's book. I wouldn't want you to delve into other things any more than I do because I genuinely believe this is the way counterfeits counterfeits or lies are exposed are not so much about knowing so much about evolution and Big Bang or whatever theories might want to be familiar with, but you're not going to expose them by finding all their flaws. You're going to expose them by shedding light on what you know is true. And Genesis 1-1 is what we know is true. In the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. We believe that by faith because it's right here in front of us, so it must be true. Therefore, when we explain the gospel to people, even though they may not, where do you see that? They're going to believe in something that they're hoping for, too, when they come to Christ. Because although I came to Christ to be saved, cleansed from my sin, I still have not experienced the fullness of my redemption I know I'm closer today than I was 40 years ago when I got saved. I know I'm closer. I don't know how close. Tomorrow's not promised to anybody. It could be tomorrow. I don't know. But I am a little bit more hopeful, confident, assured, because in those 40 years, I kept reading what God said he did for me in salvation, what he's did in creation. So I'm a little bit more assured, but I can't prove it, can I, to anybody? I can't prove it to anybody other than just speak of what I've seen and heard and know to be true. And then show them in the God's word and let the spirit of God stir their heart. So as you think about creation, the origin of man uh, in our questions, like I said, those were very elementary, very basic. It's not anything that probably you didn't know or didn't believe but, but I believe it's important that, that occasionally, like tonight, we study something like that because we live in a world that's not as confident as we are about this. They're definitely not assured of anything. I mean, if you're on social media at any level of time, even if it's just to give a thumbs up to your friend or a happy face, there's all kinds of things on social media that I guarantee there's a lot of people. They're not sure about anything. They're not sure about anything. They have, but they don't necessarily have a lot of questions. They're just not sure about anything. So they'll just, they'll just post anything, to get attention, to get likes. And and it breaks my heart because I'm like, God has the answer. He has the answers. And so, so what I do on social media a lot of times is I respond to some of my friends that are on there, especially my, and when I say friends, not just Facebook friends, but friends that either I know and love like you all or friends that were classmates. And I don't respond combatively or anything. I just maybe say something about what they posted and say, well, have you ever thought about this? And it usually doesn't come across very combative to them if I say, have you ever thought about this? Now, if I just say, well, you're, you're stupid and wrong. The Bible says this. Well, I guarantee you it's going to get Facebook's going to blow up and go viral. So, so I'm real careful with my words, but I try to challenge them at the same time if the Lord leaves me. Otherwise, I may just leave it alone and begin to pray for that person. So anyways, I just thought this would be an interesting study. What we can do tonight, we're going to have our prayer time. So uh, I think uh, Robin's got the prayer request sheet. I did add Joe to that. Joe,